If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. And I've got someone on today, Dr. Richard Godby, who I know is interested in horse welfare and in particular equine nutrition. He's got a PhD in animal nutrition and um, teaches equine nutrition, equine science, horse production, feeds, feeding, does a lot with Western and uh, he rides as well. But let's just talk to him today about animal nutrition. How are you today, Richard? I'm doing fine in yourself. Oh, very well. And looking forward to chatting with you as well, Richard. Now, before we get going and get chatting very much, I'd like to ask you about your favourite quote. So tell us something that you'd say would be your favourite quote. And also, of course, I want to know a little bit more about it. Yeah, in, in reality, I, I think in my world, the one thing I've heard is the horse has to win. Whatever mm-hmm. we're doing, it's for the benefit of the horse. Good, good. Yeah, well, I think that's your, your whole animal welfare principles, isn't it? You know, if the horse is going to win. Not win as in I'm the boss and, and I'm the winner, but we're looking right. after the horse and if it's in the horse's best interests the whole time, then then that's what we really want. Right, the husbandry yeah. part. Yes, yes. Now, Richard, animal nutrition, in particular equine nutrition, tell us a little bit about how you started within that particular field of horses. Well, I, I was raised on a ranch, mm-hmm. so I've been around – Livestock, uh, beef cattle, uh, some swine, and horses, not all of my life yet, but at least to this point in my life, literally uh, all of my life. Uh, I had a pony. uh, My mother and daddy got me a pony when I was 22 months old. Oh, wow. (laughs) So uh, I've kind of bounced around with them a little bit uh, for a long time. And, and, And one of the things that really intrigued me about nutrition is that... I grew up and went and started college in a very developmental time for nutrition. We were starting to do a lot of new things. We were starting to use, in, in life, in, in, on the uh, production animal side, we were starting to use byproducts to feed them. Mm-hmm. We were starting to, to look at, you know, fibers and things along those lines. And I always had, had an interest in science that, uh, uh, I have minors in uh, uh, nutritional biochemistry and, and uh, digestive physiology and organic chemistry. So I'd always played in, in the science world. And back when I was in school, we were going through almost an evolution, if you will, on the way we were feeding horses. Mm-hmm. And so as an undergraduate, I got interested in it. And then I had the opportunity to get a get my doctorate under an extremely well known individual up here, and and uh, who who literally wrote the book on equine clinical nutrition, and and I thought, well, this this is really a, a you know a dynamic area for me, 
and the most expensive part of owning horses or any livestock for that matter, but especially horses, is feeding them. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, you know, I mean, if you're lucky, you don't get the vet and, you know, the farrier or someone to trim the hooves might be sort of, you know, once a month or every, every now and then, but feeding, the, the bills keep coming in, don't they, daily. every week and, yeah, daily or twice a day, the horses feeding the whole time. Yeah, and you look yeah. out and you just think, mate, you are costing me a fortune. Yep, yep. So sorry, keep going and, and tell us it. The most I agree, totally agree with you, and I think a lot of other horse owners would as well. That the most expensive parts, the feeding, and and most of us we don't we never think about it. Mm. We go to the store and and we buy whatever feed someone's selling. Tells us, hey, this is the best. You know, this yes. is the best that there is, and or feed this kind of hay. And well, I can't feed that hay because of a wives tale and, and, and I think in feeding horses probably more than any other aspect of the horse world there's more old wives tales and uh, black magic than mm-hmm. any other livestock okay. if we fed our production animals the same way we fed horses you know a steak would cost us a thousand dollars it's so different and, and I think that's one of the intriguing things and one of the challenging things that equine nutritionists face is getting people to understand feeding horses is not difficult. It's really very simple. Yeah. There's certain requirements we need to meet, and if we can do those, we, and we, we minimize our vet bills. We minimize problems, digestive upsets, and, and horses that, that aren't happy. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, mm-hmm. we need happy horses. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking, you know, we've got... Um how you got into it, if someone else wants to get into the horse industry, and in particular if they're interested in nutrition, what sort of a person do they need to be? Uh, Somewhat Mm -hmm. thick-skinned. But, you know, and a lot of people think that, well, that person has a PhD, he's very intelligent or she's very intelligent or or DVM or something. And none of this has to do with intelligence. Uh It has to do with, your desire to succeed and achieve that goal and put up with all the different things that that we put out there so that you can literally join our fraternity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we want you to do good science, so you need to have a strong science background. And, uh, you know, nutrition... The the number one things that I, that I found that that you need to have and and uh, is is a strong biochemical background. You've got to earn, uh, understand biochemistry, so you okay. have to have that 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 inquisitive knowledge uh, because everything that happens in the body literally is a pathway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, where we know about genetics and nutrition, you know, we know that we can turn something on or turn something off that affects the whole body. By by one little bitty, almost an imperceptible idea. Okay, that's exciting. Okay. Yep, yep. Now you you know you said that people don't have to be particularly bright. You know, like it's just a matter. Is that like stick to it? Don't quit. Just keep at it to do your PhD. Is that is that what you're saying or? How would you describe it if someone's interested in doing a PhD within, and it doesn't have to be within equine nutrition, is it a matter of saying you've got to have very high intelligence or someone who's just going to decide to do it and keep going? I, you know, I think that for, for the, the, a lot of the biggest uh, 
uh, movement forward we've had in mm-hmm. nutrition, and whether it's, it's horses or other livestock, has really probably been from the uh, average, quote, student, if you will, yep. that has a strong desire to learn and to mm-hmm. make improvements yep. than the so-called genius Um you, to be to me to be a good a good equine nutritionist, you you need to know something about horses. Mm-hmm. You need to be if you can be a horseman or a horsewoman. In addition to being a nutritionist, you're going to be so much further ahead than just having the book knowledge, the science knowledge. You know, okay. you, you got to get yes. out there and you, you got to feed horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's something that that you think is a big problem? within the horse industry, within feeding? You know, if you were going to, if you sort of went in to talk to people about nutrition, to um, even talk to students about nutrition, what's a big thing that we are doing that could probably be changed around that a lot of horse owners are doing and feeding their their horses wrong? You know, and and I've I've been blessed. In fact, I've been to Australia twice giving lectures. Mm -hmm. And... uh, uh, and, and it doesn't matter which country I'm in, whether it's been Japan or Sweden or wherever, uh, it's misconceptions about what that horse needs and what nutrients do. One of the biggest that I run into often is, is water intake. Okay. I'm amazed at how many people don't understand how much water these horses really need to drink just for maintenance. And then if you if you put any type of work on them, any type of production, and that could be a lactating mare. It could be a, a gestating mare, you know, in late gestation. Yep. Uh, I remember I was down in Melbourne, and I went to the Melbourne Cup, and a horse had been flown in from England to run. Mm-hmm. And this horse got down there, and he wouldn't drink. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, nah, I don't want to drink. Well, if a horse doesn't drink, he won't eat. Yep. And if he doesn't eat, he's obviously not going to be very successful in the mm-hmm. Melbourne Cup. Mm-hmm. So here's someone that spent an untold amount of money to fly a horse from England to Melbourne, Australia, to watch the horse not do anything. Yeah. And and so I think we overlook the importance of water as as, as horsemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing is that people tend to confuse crude protein with energy. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I routinely hear, well, I can't feed that. 16% feed to my horse or that alfalfa hay to my horse because it has too much protein, it, it, it makes him, you know, hyper. It, it overexcites that, overstimulates that horse. And protein has absolutely nothing to do with energy. Mm-hmm. And that is universal. I mean, where it doesn't matter where I am. I, I often get, I get that same kind of statement. So we really have, we try and work everywhere I give talks for people to understand what digestible energy is versus what is protein and the needs of each one. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, if, if we look at, at nutrients, water is the most important thing in a horse's life, yes. period, yes. In any, any animal's any, life. Yeah. The second greatest need is for energy. Mm-hmm. And then the third is protein. And meeting the protein needs of a horse is very simple. That's, that's easy. I meeting the energy needs of a horse can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about horses, you know, horses that are competing, you know, doing well, worked every day, the specialists in their field, they're athletes. Tell us a little bit about feeding that type of animal as opposed to a pleasure horse that's, you know, ridden once a week, once a fortnight. 
I, and I, I haven't been down there in 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 several years. Mm. He the biggest who we've run into now feeding the performance horse is that we have gotten people scared to death to feed carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And for a horse to perform, remember there's there's essentially two types of of, of exercise: there's aerobic and anaerobic. Sure. Either that horse has enough oxygen, and if he has enough oxygen, he's going to use body fat for energy. Yep. If he becomes oxygen deficient and he mm-hmm. becomes anaerobic, then he has to use muscle glycogen and liver glycogen for energy. Well, the only way a horse can replenish that glycogen is through carbohydrate feeding. And we, at least up here, We've got people scared to death to feed carbs. I mean, corn, oats, barley, they had bad names. Uh-huh. Uh, corn, people freak completely out. Oh, you can't feed corn to a horse. And there's been more horses fed corn throughout history than any other grain. And part of it is because, one, we feed by volume. We don't weigh our feeds. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we don't know how many kilos of something we're feeding. We know how many scoops we're feeding. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now, and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine... Maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Now, I just want to clarify this. When you say corn, you mean maize, don't you? Yes, ma'am, maize. Yes, ma'am. Yes, because some, some countries talk about corn and they talk about grain. Exactly. You know, just in general grain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about maize. Sorry, keep going. Yep. You bet. And, and, and what, so what happens is that we get that horse that, that and, and, and like a human athlete, we can replenish his, his, his glycogen stores, his muscle glycogen stores in about 24 hours. Mm-hmm. In a horse, it takes 48 to 72 hours. So if I, and I show cutting horses. So if I go to a cutting and I'm gonna go show my horse Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I don't start giving him a grain until the, a day or two before I go to the cutting, Mm-hmm. I'm not going to build up muscle glycogen. So somewhere that second or third day, he is going to run out of gas. He's going to have the desire to go stop that cow. Yep. He's just not going to have the depth of energy to go stop that cow. Okay. Because at that point, he's anaerobic. Uh-huh. 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 So we've gotten ourselves into a problem with that. And the other thing, and, and, and it's a good thing, is to feed, to feed oils like soybean oil or yep. canola oil or flax oil because they're real high energy, they're high energy density. Mm-hmm. But they don't tend to replenish so glycogen either. So we've got to, we've got to keep carbs in that diet. And, uh, uh, and I, I think that is a, a disservice that we've done as feed manufacturers and nutritionists and veterinarians to some of the industry because we know that when a horse is obese, 
feeding carbs is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a body condition score six, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, especially mm. uh, uh, carbs. We start ending up with with endocrinopathic laminitis issues and stuff. So it, it's it's a balancing act depending on what your horse is doing, and that goes back to the quote: "The eye of the horseman fattens the stock." Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you got to look at the horse. You got to look at the animal. You got to know body condition scoring. Yes. So it's not as simple as going out there and doing two scoops of grain and four flakes of hay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the prepackaged feeds because, you know, trying to keep things simple, you go for a prepackaged feed and is that good, not good? I mean, where are we headed down those lines? Do people have enough knowledge about the premixed feeds? I think that that's a, it's a great point and an outstanding question because. A couple of things have happened. If we buy in most people, at least up here, and and I'm sure down there as well, we want to buy the very best that we can for our horse. Mm -hmm. So we have X amount of dollars. And so let's say that feed company A has a feed that is fantastic for heavily performance horses. And the energy is balanced to everything else. So if you will feed it the way they tell you to, to feed it, You'll get all of the micronutrients. You'll get the protein, the amino acids, the vitamins and minerals, et cetera. Well, what usually happens for most of the places is that if you feed according to their directions, because you're not going to work your horse near as hard as they intend for you to work him, so you don't feed, let's say they tell you to feed a pound per, 100 pounds of body weight or 100 kilos of body weight. Mm -hmm. And then you find out that if you feed a pound per 100 kilos, what you end up with is a horse that's obese or he's unruly. Yep. So you go, okay, so I can only feed a quarter of a pound per 100 kilos or per 100 pounds or whatever the directions say. Yep. So in reality, I'm only getting 25% of all of the nutrients that that horse should be getting from that mm. feed mm. because it told me to feed this much to get the total benefit of the feed. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Yes. Yes. And then the other side of the coin is we go out and we buy a cheap feed or we buy a single grain. You know, we can buy a three-way uh, a feed that has a lot of chaff in it uh, or a feed that's either high in molasses or just feed straight oats. And then we buy five different supplements to make all these different things up. And so when the bottom line comes up, you still don't know what you're feeding your horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, when I talk to people, and, and it doesn't matter where in the world, I've had them say, Dr. Godby, I'm feeding four flakes of this, two scoops of that, and some of this supplement. What do you think? And the, my first comment to them is, neither one of us know what you're feeding. <laughs> you have to do some arithmetic, and it's mm-hmm. very simple. You take the nutrient content of, of whatever you're feeding and multiply it by the amount that you're feeding, and you determine, I'm getting... 20 megacalories of digestible energy and 400 grams of protein and whatever else it is. And then you can compare that to what does that horse need? But yeah. if you get to that point, we're all, we're all driving blind. Mm-hmm. They're, they're great feeds on the market, fantastic feeds on the market, some outstanding supplements. Yeah. But when we start just adding things haphazardly, if you will, mm-hmm. because our neighbor, you know, our, our neighbor won and he was feeding this. And yep. boy, I'll tell you, I, I know my horse can win if, if I'll just feed that. And <laughs> and we didn't stop and think about that. Other guy's a great horseman and, and uh, he trained his horse and, and conditioned his horse. 
and he had better genetics, but the feed made all the difference, and it really didn't. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. There's a lot to think about. So if people are using a pre-mixed feed, but buying the pre-mixed feed for the type of horse that it should be bought for and sticking to the directions, is it the best way to go or should they mix it themselves and work out a diet that's going to suit their particular horse? You sort of, If you're going to do that, you need an equine nutritionist anyway to help you mix it. Or are there, right. or are there it, simple it, rules, you know? What, what can people do? You know, I, I think if you will be realistic about what you what your horse is, mm. be realistic about what you're doing with your horse, and buy a mixed feed that's designed for that horse, mm-hmm. then you're fine. Yep. But don't go out and buy don't go out and, and, and buy you know a, a, a Maserati feed for a Volkswagen horse. Yep. That, that's just that's not gonna work. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're going to be disappointed, and, 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 and you know your horse is not going to be happy. And remember, that horse has to win. Mm, but mm. Uh, you know, and, and I've had it's been interesting. I've had people tell me, Doctor Godby, my horse has to have grain, and I said, No, the, the good Lord didn't put him on the on this earth to eat grain. Mm. He put him on the earth to eat forages. And we have to remember the number one thing in the horse's diet has got to be forage. Yes. Okay. Okay. Where do you think we're headed? Do we have the right mixture now? We've just got to educate people some more, or have there been any new breakthroughs that have happened that you think are going to, um, you know, change the way we feed? I should say any more new breakthroughs, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think the use of probiotics and prebiotics, mm-hmm. I think those as supplements have the ability to make a huge impact on, on all of our horses, whether they're a yard ornament that we love and they're in the front yard and are in the back pasture or if they're a horse we're hauling down the road to win the world mm-hmm. or a horse mm-hmm. that's, that's, you know, in the Hunter Valley that's getting ready to, to go to the Melbourne Cup. Yep. It, it really doesn't matter. Uh, th- this gut microbiome mm-hmm. is, the, the gut's the largest immune organ in the whole body. Yep. So if we can keep everything about that gut working with consistent feeding, consistent types of feeding, you know, judicious use of probiotics that are effective, uh, prebiotics, and remembering a prebiotic feeds the bugs, and a probiotic is the bugs. Mm-hmm. So if we can do that and we keep that, that gut healthy, it impacts everything from reproduction to attitude to the immune system. So I, I think where we are on the microbiome, is huge. Uh, probably in nutrition and inflammation and nutrition and uh, immunity, those are the areas right now that, that have uh, a great appeal to, to me, and that's the stuff that I, re- that, that I really personally read a lot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, because I know when the, the first time I read an article, and, and it was that Something about the gut microbiome can impact reproduction, and I'm going, yeah, I took a lot of anatomy classes, and I know those aren't in the same spot. <laughs> well, there's metabolites that do certain things, you know, and they, they turn this on and turn that off. And so that really was intriguing, and that was years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, because you, you travel, you know, you travel so much anyway, feeding in different parts of the world, is it, you know, because I know, like, we tend to feed quite a lot of chaff in with our feed. 
Um, you know, and other countries don't. They just will feed a, a mixed feed the way it is. You know, that's sort of something that I've observed. But what other things have you observed between different countries and the way that the horses are fed? One of the things I noticed from the first time I came to Australia was mm. that you do have a lot of calf in your feed. Mm. You have a lot of fiber in there, yep. which is a good thing for the horse. Mm. Then we get into places like the first time I went to Germany and I looked at some of the horse feeds they were using. It was like bird bird feed. It was yep. whole seeds and this, that, and the other. And it was like, yeah, guys, I think you've got some 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 grains in here that uh, – it's going to pass through, and it's going to make the birds very happy uh, <laughs> yes. because these horses aren't going to be able to chew it. Mm. I mean, you know, we we, mm. we saw uh, flax seed, and 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 uh, the the use of flax for as an anti-inflammatory, and people feed flax, and they feed it whole, and it's a little hard seed coat, so that horse can't chew it, so it passes in the digestive system and comes out in the manure, and you have gorgeous birds, but <laughs> well, you sure hadn't helped your horse any. Um, it was inter- interesting in Japan. They fed a lot of pelleted feeds. Which mm-hmm. There's good and bad about pellets. If you get it from reputable companies, it's fantastic. Uh, but a pellet, you can put anything in it you want, and you can't find it. Yeah. So you have to learn to read feed tags. That's uh-huh. critical uh-huh. Uh, for any horse owner. You need you need to be able to read a feed tag, understand what it says, and understand those ingredients and what they really mean and how the horse uses them. Yep. Because I can take flaked oats steamrolled oats or whole oats, and I can unpack digestion slightly, but Mm -hmm. I can take corn and I can steam flake it or I can grind it, and I can change where in the digestive system it's digested and absorbed and decrease that founder aspect. Remember, we don't want those carbs to get into the large gut. Yep. We want all that to be digested and absorbed from the small gut. Mm -hmm. So the way that grain is processed impacts where in that digestive system it's digested and absorbed. Okay. I've got another question to do with feed. If the horse is drinking plenty, you know, drinking, having a normal water intake, and the feed's not dusty or anything, if you wet down the feed, does it interfere with the way the horse digests because they're not chewing and salivating the same way and using the saliva to go into the gut? Is that true? Is it a black magic old wives' tale? Tell us a little bit about wetting down feed. You know, you're talking about haze, right? Where we soak haze? No, no, no. No, No, I'm talking about about mixed feeds. Yeah, without it being dusty feed, just as a matter of course. You know, I notice that a lot of people are just mixing up a feed and then pulling out the hose or the hose pipe, you know, whatever, and just um, putting a whole lot of water in a mixed feed. But then I've also had someone else say that that interferes with the way the horse chews and digests because they're not using the natural saliva, which is needed in the gut. I'm just wondering if you can make some comment on that. You bet. Mm. And I'm not sure about down there. Here in the racehorse world, we give uh, what's called hot brand mashes, Mm -hmm. which we add water to it, heat it up with with some red, you know, wheat bran and and some, some oats and this, that, and the other. The saliva has some enzymes in it that yeah. that will definitely help start bringing, especially the carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. The other thing is now, as far as salivation, a horse, unlike dogs and humans, don't have a Pavlovian response. So they can't think about, boy, that flake of alfalfa yesterday was really great, and salivate. For him to maximize salivation, he's got to chew. 
And where that that feed is is a high moisture feed, i.e. wet, or whether it's dry, chewing is what's going to cause salivation. So I I don't think, we stop and think about a horse that's out on pasture when it's really wet. And I know right now I've got some friends down there sent notes to me. There's a big part of Australia that's not very wet. Mm. But if they're out on, uh, when I was in Bawarl and out in there, I saw some beautiful pastures. These this grass is probably seventy to eighty percent moisture. Mm-hmm. When you feed uh, your wetted down feed, it's probably not going to be any more moisture than that. Okay. If it gets much wetter than that, you're going to have to give them a straw. Mm. You know, because mm. a lot of horses are not going to eat that wet of a, a type of feed. But but the the biggest change that you're going to see is that it, if you put that much water in their feed, they're not going to drink as much water. Okay, it's like when a horse when a horse is out on a lot of real fresh pasture, let's say 70% water, he's not going to drink a lot of water because he's consuming his water with his with his feed, and that's the same thing you're going to see. But that horse is still going to chew, and that chewing is still going to get salivation, and that salivation is going to go down. It's going to buffer the acid in the stomach, hopefully decrease our uh, ulcer aspects that we, we, we seem to to be rampant in our in our horse world mm-hmm. um, so I, I i just physiologically i can't think of because that that feed is is really wet it's going to decrease his chewing and if he's chewing he's going to salivate mm-hmm. that's just a physiological response okay okay now that's good that's um you know hopefully cleared it up for me and and got a lot of other people thinking as well yeah. Look, Richard, I know that you've got, and we've sort of focused on just the feeding and nutrition side of things, and I know that you do a lot more than just feeding and nutrition. And um, I know on your website is at equiuniversity.com there's more information. Yeah. But I'd love to have you back and talk about some of these other things, you know, biosecurity, welfare, facilities. I would love to. Yeah, love I, to. Think, I think it would be yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think welfare is that that's that's a huge issue for those mm-hmm. of us at haul those yes. of us that, 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 that travel mm. uh, or those of us that have horses that come on our places yep uh and now up here i, I get a thing about the uh, equine disease communication center mm-hmm. and i see where people get like west nile and a lot of things that we can vaccinate for and i'm asking i, I, I have a really good friend that's bordered in in uh, uh equine surgery and and uh Jeff and I'll talk. I said, "What is wrong? Why? Why are these people vaccinating their horses?" And and so we bat that around. And how nutrition can impact that immunity? And how older horses? We get something called immunosenesis, where these older horses, the the vaccinations are not as effective. Mm-hmm. So what do we need to do? What? How do we need to, to handle these these geriatrics? And and how do we need to handle newborns? And and so those are, we make a commitment to that that foal. From the time we breed that mare yep. to the time we tell that, that horse goodbye, we've made a commitment to that horse to take care of him. Yes. Period. Mm-hmm. So I would love to, any time any time that I can be of any help for anybody down there, they can send an email to me. Okay. Uh, the easiest one to remember is uh, rggodby at gmail.com. Okay. Easy. Easy. Yeah, yeah. And there's one on the website as well. So either okay. one. I'll, I'll be happy to answer them, and we'll answer them straight away. Okay. What about your phone number? My phone number is 801-717-7700. Yep. 
Perfect. And those details as well, if you have missed them, will be on horsechats.com slash Richard Godby or just go to horsechats.com and search for Richard or search for Godby and you'll find those details. And, um, yeah, Richard, really enjoyed talking to you today. And if we can chat again about one of your many other areas of expertise, that would be brilliant. And um, hopefully we'll chat again soon. Well, Hopefully, we're, we're, my wife and I are going to get back down there in the next year or two and see some friends. So. That'd but be anything, wonderful. Anything in the world we can do. The horse, we're, we're here for the horses. That's the bottom line. Thanks, Richard. Thank you, ma'am. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.